Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. All right, are you guys ready to rock and roll today, huh? Amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me once again to Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark chapter four. We're going to continue today in this incredibly important parable that is called the parable of the sower. We've been looking at this parable. In fact, we're going to read it now and then we'll, I'll make some explanation to you. I'm going to do a little bit of review, not a lot, because I have a lot of territory to cover today. So let's begin. Let's go back to verse 14. Everybody got it? Mark 4, verse 14. All right. The sower sows the word. What does the sower sow? The word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Who when they have heard the word or understood the word immediately receive with gladness, have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in. Choke the word and it, the word becomes unfruitful. And these are they, these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some a hundred. Now I believe it is God's will and our will that we all become good ground. Amen. I believe if I lined all of you up and walked up to you and said, hey, if given a choice, would you like to be good ground? I think we'd all choose to be good ground. Amen. How many of you agree with that statement? Amen. And what we have discovered in our study so far is that good ground spiritually as well as in the natural world isn't found, it's made. All right, good ground isn't found, it's made. And what we have learned in this amazing parable is that Jesus shows us how you can turn any ground into good ground. So any heart or any part of my heart that may be one of these four kinds of soils can be turned into good ground. No matter what it is, I can turn it into good ground. Hard-hearted ground, which was the first one, which we studied a few weeks ago, and we looked at all the characteristics of hard-heartedness, and I think we would all agree that hard-heartedness has done so much damage to human life. Can I hear a good amen today? Right? And the question then becomes, as I've thought about this, is why would anybody choose to live hard-hearted? When you're hard-hearted, you're not going to bear any fruit. I believe that hard-hearted people live and pass away and they leave nothing behind them that people wanted or people enjoyed. Because a hard-hearted man, a hard-hearted woman, right, bears no fruit. Why? They don't bear any good works in their life. Why? Because the seed of God cannot get into their heart. 
So we looked at the different characteristics and what we've discovered, right? We looked at all the characteristics of how hard hardness is defined in the Bible. I can't go over them again today, but it's amazing because when you look at it, you discover there's a lot more of it around than you've ever imagined. All right. And it's also possible we've learned for each of us to be good ground in one area of our life and hard hearted in another area of our life. All right. So if I admit that I'm hard hearted, that's great because now you're letting the plow come in to plow that ground up and you don't want it anymore. You're going to reject it. Amen. All right. Then the next ground we looked at, we just read was what the Bible calls stony ground. We looked at that last week. Stony ground is ground that is not as hard as hard hearted ground. And in fact, the seed can get into the stony ground and it does bear a little fruit, not 30 fold, not 60, not a hundred, but it does bear a little, but the fruit isn't lasting because of the rocks or the stones that are in the soil. So the rocks or the stones that are in the soil keep the roots from being able to sink down deep so that when persecution and affliction arises, that seed, that word of God cannot bear the fruit through the heat. And then the result is the person becomes offended and begins to live an offended life. All right, again, we went over all of that in great detail. I can't go over it again today. All right, so what, what did we learn from that? Well, are there stones in my ground? Maybe I'm not hard-hearted. Maybe I am receiving the word, but the word doesn't really last in me and it lasts okay until I meet a real problem or a real issue, persecution or affliction. And then I get angry, get upset. Quit coming to church, reject the word of God, get mad at other people and start living what I call an offended life. We see a lot of people in our world today live offended lives. They're always upset. They're always displeased. They're always resentful, right? They wake up in the morning angry, wake up in the morning displeased, wake up in the morning bitter. Can I hear a good amen today, right? We work with them. We're related to them. If you're sitting next to one of them, just keep looking straight ahead. <laughs> Let God deal with them. All right? And, uh, and, and, and that ground also does not bear lifetime fruit. Short term, little bit, but not a lot. All right? Now that brings us to the third soil, right? Now, what do I do? Well, if I can get the rocks out. Get the rocks out of my heart. You know, my dad used to tell me to get the rocks out of my head. Well, there's some truth to that, right? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, sometimes we get rocks in our soil. Rocks in us. I told you last week about how I got a rock in my soil. You know, how things I went through when I was a boy. And I had to get that rock out because that rock was stopping me, stopping the word of God regarding love and forgiveness from being able to sink its roots down deep into my heart. I had to get that rock out, right? And I gladly got it out. Why? Because I want to be good ground. Now look, hard-hearted ground can become good ground if you just get the hardness out of it and you work it Stony ground can become good ground. If you get the rocks out, it'll become good ground. Amen. 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 Now we come to thorny ground or ground that has thorns in it. All right. So let's look at them here. Okay. Are you ready today? Here comes the new stuff, right? So we're looking at the stony ground. I mean the, the thorny ground. All right. Now he tells us that there's three thorns that you got to watch out for. I'm glad there's only three. I can pay attention to three. Amen. 
Amen. I'm glad it's not 15. Amen. Right? I would get lost there. But three, I can watch out for. Are you ready? Yes. I said, are you ready? Yes. Amen. Now look at it again. Right? He said, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word or they understand it. They hear it. They understand it. Right? And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in. So now, you see, ground that has all the rocks out of it, that has the hardness taken out of it, that's now good ground. And Satan starts doing some sowing himself. And he comes to sow his bad seed, thorns, into the good ground of my heart, of your heart. Good ground will grow whatever is planted in it. You can go down to the farms here in the valley and that ground will grow cotton or it will grow poison. The soil, listen, does not determine what it grows. The farmer determines what the soil will grow. The sower determines what the soil will produce by the seed that the sower plants in the ground. So I am not the only sower that is trying to sow into my life. God is sowing into my life and Satan will try to sow into your life these three thorns. Are you catching this? So I need to pay attention. Let me ask you again. Do you want to be good ground? If you want to be good ground, then you got to keep the thorns out. Fair to say? I said, fair to say, Amen. got to keep the thorns out. All right. Cause they're, but they're going to try to enter in. Okay. So here we go. Let's look at them in detail. Number one, he said the first thorn that we got to watch out for, Jesus called it the cares of the world, the cares of the world. Now pay attention because that word cares has four words that define it. I'm gonna, they, and they go together, two and two, okay? Now, the first definition, the first thing without even doing any study, the first thing we notice is that he's talking about the world. Now, he's not talking about the planet, but he's talking about the world system that we live in. And that system, we know, is an aggressive system. The world is trying to sow its seed into the good ground of my heart. And that seed is called cares, the cares of this world. Now the word cares, the first definition carries two words, very similar, right? Anxiety and worries. Anxiety and worries. Now, you can be anxious about something and not necessarily be worried. You can be worried about something and not necessarily be anxious. Most of the time, they kind of go together like hand in glove, but they are a little bit different. Now, in my life and in your life, I need to be on guard against the anxieties and the worries that the world is trying to get into my heart. Because remember, why is that thorn coming? Why is that thorn trying to get into your heart? Why is it coming? It is coming to choke the word because the word carries with it 
God's promise, God's life, God's potential, God's opportunity for your life. Right? The angel Gabriel told Mary, no word of God is void of the power that it takes to bring itself to pass. So the word has in it, like any seed does, right? The power to bring itself to pass, to produce the fruit. Come on. So the word is in my life. So the, the thorn of the anxiety and the worries of the world is going to try to get into my heart. And the world generates worries and anxieties. Whoo! Generates them. Every day. Produces them. Real ones and fake ones. It generates them. Little ones and big ones. It generates them. It's like a buffet. <laughs> You can walk down the buffet. Well, I'll take a little of that and I'll take, ah, I don't, I'm worried about that. Ooh, that terrifies me. I'm going to take some of that, right? And you, and you see it and it's all around us. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, you know, oh my God, Charles, you know, can we pray that Jesus comes back right away? I said, well, you can pray it. You can pray anything you want. People have been praying Jesus come back today for over 2,000 years. I said, why are you so, I said, why? And they said, well, I'm so anxious. And I thought of this first. I said, what's making you anxious? And they said, well, what is it? I said, well, tell me what's making you anxious. Well, there's that crazy guy in North Korea. I said, yeah, he's crazy. And he said, and then there's those crazy guys in Iran. I said, yeah, they're pretty crazy too. And I said, and then our president's crazy. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know if he's crazy, but he's whatever he is. <laughs> and Congress and the ozone and <laughs> peanut butter. And <laughs> everything makes me fat. Pretty soon, all we're going to be able to do is drink water and breathe air. So, all of that produces anxiety and worry. And anxiety and worry comes into your life and my life to choke the Word of God. And I said, that to this person. They said, well, what am I supposed to do? And I said, you're supposed to put your trust, your faith, your confidence in God and God's promises Amen. that you are in the world, but not of the world. Amen. That if God be for you, who can be against you? That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. That I'm not going to be robbed of God's promise that he's going to give me a long life full of good days in spite of all this other stuff. But if you're not careful, these worries and these anxieties will try to get into your heart. Am I making sense to you? And separate you from God's promise to where pretty soon you can't sleep, you're anxious, you're worried, 
You have no faith anymore. Now you're being driven by fear. You're not enjoying the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. And you're not, the word isn't able to bear the fruit of peace and victory and joy and overcoming in your life because that thorn got in and choked that word out of your life. Does that make sense to you? So I got to guard my heart with all diligence. Proverbs said, Proverbs 4 and not allow that thorn to get in. And oh, it's an aggressive thorn. And it's gonna try its best to get into your life. Amen. And it's all around us. All around us. I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm just saying I did it. 12 years ago, I quit watching the news. I just don't watch it anymore. I just don't watch it. Pastor, how do you know what's going on? Just walk around. People will tell you what's going on. <laughs> They'll tell you what's going on. But I just, I just do not go home at night and sit there for an hour or two hours and feed off of fear and anger and hidden agendas. Let me ask you a question. You laying in bed, worrying about the crazy guy in Korea, is that going to make him wake up? Is he going to send you a letter and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm keeping you awake? <laughs> Jesus talked about it in Matthew 6, family. He said, which of you, by worrying, can even add one inch to your stature? Why are you worrying about it? Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Not the worries and the anxieties of the world. Amen. Don't let it get into your heart. Amen? Make sense? All right, can we move on to, okay, now here's the second definition. Are we learning anything today? Okay, so that word cares has this thought, worries and anxieties. But then it also has this thought, similar words, distractions and attractions of the age that you live in. The distractions and attractions. So there's worry, anxiety, attractions, distractions. He's warning us here. Jesus is warning us, warning me, warning you, that when your heart becomes good ground, then Satan is going to come and try to give, plant in there a thorn of you being attracted, me being attracted or distracted by the things of the age to where now I get so distracted, I don't keep my eye on him and on the word. I've now got my eye on the distractions or I lose my love for God's word and I'm now attracted to other things that the world offers me. It's amazing, isn't it? Hmm? Can't tell you over the years. Don't, I don't say this judgmentally. I say it with, with, with a bothered heart. Can't tell you over the years how many people I've known who 
start coming to church because their life is really in a bad spot between a rock and a hard place. And they begin to apply the word of God to their life and that word begins to produce and it begins to produce fruit and their lives start getting better and suddenly they're attracted to this, they're distracted by that, they're attracted to this, they're distracted by that. Now, it doesn't apply to any of you, you're here. But this time of the year, every year, this time of the year, every year, attendance drops. Every year. Look around. You can see it. It's obvious. Attendance drops. We're having a snowstorm outside? No. Is it raining? No. Is it cold? No. Well, what is it? Football. Football keeps, not 10, not 20, hundreds of people out of our church, not counting every other church in the city, not counting every other church across America. Football. Let me give you some more. Anytime there's a big boxing match on Saturday night. Anytime. Floyd Mayweather, any of those guys, attendance is down the next day. Over a boxing match. Homecoming. High school homecoming. Attendance is down the next day. Pastor, you're making me mad. I'm not trying to make you mad. Just trying to point out, I make people mad without trying. <laughs> I don't have to try. It just kind of goes with the territory. Amen. So, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to point out the truth of what Jesus said that the distractions and the attractions that the world offers us choke the word and get our focus off of what is going to bear good fruit and our good ground. And instead we let this thorn, and I remind you in Genesis 3 that thorns were a part of the curse that made life more difficult. So these thorns come into our hearts and choke the word. And we don't have the fruit that God wanted us to have. So the choice is mine. Am I going to let the thorn in or am I going to keep the thorn out? Amen? All right. How many of you still happy?
All right, let's talk about the deceitfulness of riches. It's the third or second thorn that tries to get in. The deceitfulness of riches. Very interesting. The deceitfulness of riches. Interesting because Jesus, a part of Jesus' promise is to us in 3 John 2 is that we'll prosper. So God delights in the, Psalm 37 says, God delights in the prosperity of his servants. We know from Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shake together, running over. Men will give into your pockets. We know that God wants us to prosper. Can I hear a good amen today? And yet it almost seems like he's contradicting himself. Well, no, he's not. He's warning us. He's telling us that riches, money, carries with it a deception. So let's not be deceived by the deception. It's not the money, but it's what's around it. And as it comes to us, it will try to deceive us. You know, Jesus said that if you know when the thief is coming then you can be prepared and not let the thief in your house. So if I know that riches have a deception with it, then I can stop the deception from ever getting into my life. God can bless me and I not be deceived by the riches. Amen. All right, you ready to, you ready to dig into this one a little bit? All right, the deceitfulness of riches. You can be rich and not be deceived. Abraham was rich. He wasn't deceived. Hmm? You don't have to be deceived. So let me give you all the definitions of the word deceitfulness. Deception, seducing, bait, snare. See, riches can... Satan can use riches to bait you and, and choke the word of God out of your life, right? Bait you, snare you, means cause you to wander. So there's a deception around riches that can cause people, if you're not careful, cause our hearts to wander from where they were or where they need to be or where they were going. And now we find ourselves over here. Hmm? Man, I've seen that so many times. So many times. Wow. All right. Means to be led astray. Deception of riches. Listen to this. The deception of riches as a source of power and influence. Now that's interesting. So he says for us not to be deceived. Now remember... Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to children of God. He's talking to children of God, children of the kingdom. He's talking to people that are by definition supposed to see life differently. That are supposed to have different priorities. Can I get a good amen? That are supposed to have different uh, uh, things that are important to them. Okay? We are to see life differently. 
because we are children of the kingdom. So here he says, not to be deceived and see riches as a source of power and influence. When we know, period, step over here, when we know by looking around us that riches are a source of power and influence. No doubt about it. Come on, talk to me today, right? Riches are a source of power and influence. But God says to you and me as children of God, not for that not to be what we look at, that we are not deceived by that. And here's why. Here's why. Because there are situations that come up in life that I don't care how much money you have, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. I don't care how much money you have. You can't beat it. There can be doctor's offices that you walk into and in 10 minutes, he or she tell you something. I don't care if you've got $100 billion. Not going to do you any good. Money can't keep your spouse in love with you. You can screw up so bad, a new purse ain't going to fix it, Bubba. All you're going to have is a mad spouse with a new purse. That's all you're going to have. <laughs> Who will probably never even carry that purse because that purse is going to remind her of that. Right. Hmm? You can mess up so bad, you can buy your husband a Shelby GT. Ain't going to make him happy with you. So let's not be deceived and look at riches as our source of power. Our source of power is to be our faith in God and his word and his covenant. Because in him... All things remain possible. Amen? Now let's talk about influence. Money can produce influence. Anybody says different is wrong. But God says, I don't want you to be deceived by that. I don't want that to be your source of influence. I want your source of influence to come from James 1. Right? where he talks about living lives of significance or influence. And what causes us to live lives of significance, influence, that we look into the word and we do it. Amen. And we bear the fruit, good ground, that the word bears, that we let our lights shine, that men may see our good works and glorify our Father. And that's where we want our influence. Amen. I think a lot of you would agree with this. I've known some really rich people. I wouldn't let them sit down and talk to my kids for five seconds. Not five. And I've known some that I would gladly let them talk to them. I don't want their influence in my life. They're too jacked up. And just because they got money 
doesn't mean they have the right influence. I want the influence of good works. The inf come on, the influence of being a doer of the word. My gosh, this is good teaching. Amen. The influence of God's word in my life. Amen. Amen. Right? So let's not be deceived by that. That riches say, well, you know, if you, if you, if you just uh, do this, you'll get more money and that'll give you more power, more influence. Now, I'm, I don't look to money for power and influence. 